my name is Bucky. For the past six months, I've been receiving cassette tapes mailed to my apartment from an undisclosed location. With no return address, the only clue being one name, Gnome E. Betterman. I've decided to upload these recordings as a podcast with the hope that the author might be identified as stopped. These are the Betterman Tapes. here. Today I'm back with another tape. This being the third episode, I decided to play the third tape. That made the most amount of sense. Some of you have been writing in asking me to tell more about myself. Well, my name is Bucky. Uh, Anyway, this next tape came over a month after the second tape. I had thought that my repeated complaints to the postal staff had taken care of my problem, but like many other things, the tapes continued to come and cause me a problem. This envelope is of the same type. It's addressed to, well, you know the score. Um, Inside is one black Sony HF-ES90 audio cassette tape in clear case. Uh, written on the tape in whiteout is Suckings 2. Um, in the liner notes is written, If you rob a bank while sporting a full hard-on, is it considered a crime of passion? Gnome E. Betterman. Uh, distasteful and a dubious legal defense. Well, here, here is the tape. Stop the car here, Mick. Mick eased his foot on the brakes and did as his boss said. Alfonso Scorigia was not a man to make weight. The street was empty. The autumn trees, unburdened with their leafy cover, where bony fingers thrust skyward, their off-cast foliage making a patchwork quilt of crunchy underfoot. Alfonso took a drag of his filterless cigarette. Let him see who's talking. With that, Mick the henchman turned around behind him and took the canvas sack off the head of the hog-tied man laying in the back seat. Albert Twigsley blinked in wide-eyed terror. Blink as he may, he was unable to see his kidnapper without his usual thick spectacles. Two shadowy figures now looked at him. Alfonso addressed him. By nature, I am not a violent man. There are times, however, when nurture trumps nature. 
Now could be one of them times, if necessary. Twixley's heart was pounding so hard, he thought it might jump out of his flat chest. You see, my nephew on the other hand, dares a soul what's violent by nature. What I got that, Joe, as we say in the old tongue. A good boy, but quick on the trigger. And as fate woods have it, a temperamental young boy, good as he may be at heart, will eventually find himself at odds with the law. Unfooted edge. Which is where you comes in, Twigsley. Or should I call you juror number eight? Alfonso continued in a low voice. You see, your fellow jurors have been more or less of the reasonable type. Some were easily persuaded, others were looking for a payout. Hell, one old-timer only asked us to bump off his old lady in return. But uh, you've proven to be a tougher cookie, not willing to listen to reason. So the ways I sees it, the only way to deal with a tough cookie is to dunk it in something. The harbor, in your case, after we put a bullet in your head, of course... Twigsley's muffled screams were heard by no one on the deserted lane. I just got one question for yous. Any last requests? <laughs> After a pause, Twigsley feebly gave a reply. <laughs> Alfonso was intrigued. Could it be that this pipsqueak actually came around? Take the gag off him, Mick. As Mick did so, Twigsley spoke with eyes downcast in a weak voice. I have to take a piss. Alfonso laughed, and after a sideways glance at Mick, the henchman joined in. They hadn't anticipated Twigsley having been up all night in the sequestered hotel, drinking coffee. Eh, no chance, Twipe. You'll have to hold it. Mick, usually the silent type, spoke up. Yeah, but boss, if we do him here without having a full bladder, he's likely to leak piss all over the interior. Alfonso stroked his chin in contemplation. All right, then. You get to drain your lizard one last time. But no funny stuff. Getting out of the sedan, Alfonso instructed his underling to keep a lookout. I'll keep an eye on his pencil neck, he said, lighting up another cigarette. Mick walked a few paces up the lane and kept watch. The autumn night air was chilly on Twigsley's frightened penis as he positioned his stream towards the bushes. Alfonso scanned the street. No lights. No witnesses. Good. Hearing the stream lessen to a few drops, Alfonso drew his revolver. Now it's time to get to business, he said, turning around. But as he said this, his eyes locked on Twigsley's meat torpedo for the first time. Somehow, a sudden overwhelming urge came over him, an urge he hadn't felt since that summer in Napoli when he was sixteen. Marco had been his name. His brown muscles had glistened under the Italian sun. His hands had been rough, but his touch had been so soft, so gentle, so sensual. The cigarette dropped from his mouth as Alfonso's mouth gaped wider. Before he knew it, Alfonso was on his knees quicker than a penitent priest. 
Twigsley, still in shock, was even more shocked when the mob boss took Twigsley's manhood into his willing mouth. Alfonso threw his gun on the ground so as to get both hands around the object of his desire. Alfonso gobbled down Twigsley's cock like an overweight sorority girl on a diet who was finally able to secrete herself away in her dorm room with a pint of Rocky Road haagen But instead of haagen all Alfonso wanted was Haagen-Dot. Haagen-Dot cock all to himself, that is. Mick, his back turned, heard from behind him a noise like a man trying to slurp up an entire plate of pasta alfredo all at once. He turned around to see his boss full-on blowing the bewildered juror. Mick couldn't believe his eyes. His usual stoic visage turned to a grimace. Something clicked in Mick's head, and then something clicked in his holster. Pasta alfredo was one thing, but pasta fagioli was another. Mick raised his revolver, and a gunshot rang out, shaking the barren tree limbs. Twigsley looked down. The mobster's lips were still wrapped around his Johnson, but the rest of his head was now painting the sidewalk. The lifeless body slumped over, and neither man left standing said a word. Somewhere in the distance, a dog barked. Mick... Sensing the unnatural power in the air, averted his eyes and kept his back turned until he finally spoke. You put yours away and I'll put mine away. Twigsley did as he was told. His tackle now stowed. The two men turned and faced one another. You didn't see nothing and I didn't see nothing. Now get the hell out of here. Twigsley didn't have to be told twice. In a moment, only a path of disturbed fallen leaves bore witness to his rapid departure. Mick holstered his sidearm. I guess you never can tell, he thought. Mick would later tell the mob family that the cigarettes had whacked the boss. They wouldn't really believe him, but they had half a mind for a reshuffling in the organization anyway, so bygones be bygones. For now, though pistol still warm as he loaded his boss's body in the trunk. He made a mental note. The next time he wanted to intimidate a witness, he'd be sure not to do it on Shrewsbury Lane. describe why why me for that matter well hopefully we can find out together next time wait a minute there's something else on this tape it's scratched in the plastic I can barely make it out I need to get my glasses it says dig Dig deeper, Bucky. Oh, oh my. How, how does he, how does he know? I, dig deeper. I guess, I guess I'll have to do just that. Dig deeper. Next time on The Betterment Tapes. (laughs) 